So this podcast is recorded in a house full of animals, and I say that with the utmost, um, I'm not sure what the right term is, so really, be warned, the dogs are up, it's the middle of the day, so the chickens are out and about, and they might need attention, and the cats, well, they're cats, you understand how cats work. I just looked out the window and saw a strong, independent chicken, like, strutting down the walkway, avoiding the snow. The other thing to mention at this point in time is we swear a lot, and while we do swear a lot, we don't actually get into things that would be considered sexually explicit or violent or something like that. The difficulty is that most of the podcast aggregators and publishers only have two settings, clean and explicit, and I can't in good conscience mark it as clean when we're going to possibly drop an F-bomb or two. I mean, it's it's less likely since I'm here alone this week, not that I'm saying that the Wombat co-host is a bad influence, it's just we tend to swear a lot more in each other's presence. <laughs> Welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 75. It is the day that Ursula comes home that I'm recording this. I'm also recording this in the middle of the afternoon because it's a letter show. And it is unfortunate that Ursula's not here to put her comment on the letters, but she is coming home tonight, and I'm really excited about that. And I could say and a lot more at this juncture, because it's just, you know, really been difficult the last couple weeks to stay focused, or the last week, really, to stay focused. And part of that is that having... Ursula away kind of messes with my balance. And it's easier when I have a job because then I've got something to focus on that isn't quite so, you know, that can distract me. But like, here it is. It's one in the afternoon. I'm the only human being at home. So I'm carrying on conversations with the cats and occasionally on Slack. I mean, that's just the way it works. And so it's really easy for me to lose focus on days because there isn't there isn't some sort of, of driver around that. And then add to that the fact that it snowed. Now, in North Carolina, where I live, when it snows, everything shuts down. I mean, I was making jokes on Saturday about how I had to go to the grocery store for, like, toilet paper because we were low on toilet paper. Not that anything else, but it was a madhouse. It was an absolute madhouse because, of course, every time it snows or there's a hurricane coming, we all buy French toast supplies. Well, I don't because I think it's ridiculous, but uh, there's a run on milk, there's a run on bread, there's a run on eggs, and I don't drink milk, and we had bread, and dear God, there is no world in which I need to buy eggs ever again. I have two dozen in the fridge right now from the three chickens who lay daily. Yes, it's mid-December, and the chickens are laying, and and the hens are still producing eggs, which is, I know, unheard of, but happy chickens make happy eggs. So there's, there's all of that. Sunday rolled around, the snowstorm started, and man, it was just easy to lay in bed and look out the window and watch it fall. Now, it wasn't as picturesque as Monday morning, because Monday morning we had those big, flat, fluffy, fluffy flakes, but Sunday, it's just, it's gray, it's sort of uh, switching between, like, the the hard pellet snow, not really ice pellets, it's still snow, but it's the tiny little angry flakes, not the big, fluffy, floaty flakes, and uh, sort of a wintry rain mix. So it's like, yeah, no, we stay inside all, door, all day, we hope the heat stays on. Well, not the heat, because the heat's going to stay on, let me tell you. New system. We hope the power stays on. Power and internet. Uh, Which it did. But it still led to a, it's really hard to get out of bed. Don't want to get out of bed. Don't just want to stay in my sort of nice warm cocoon and watch the snowfall and have some coffee and go outside and check on the chickens who are not happy with the weather, let me tell you. Make sure the dogs go outside. But that you know, Sunday was basically a, all right, I've taken a day off. It's a snow day. There's not much I can do. The problem came up Monday because there was no school. Okay. No school, sort of big fluffy flakes in the morning, still really not going anywhere. And that sort of, there's, there's no driver for me to kind of get out of bed for me to do more than just, uh, check the laptop, read email, play around on social media 
it was it was a day off and because suddenly I had no structure around things uh, I really let that sort of drive me on Monday I'm not necessarily proud of that but I'm very understanding because I know that was a mental health day that was a day that my brain said we cannot cope here's the thing that's going on here is the disruption to your schedule here's all that stuff Tuesday rolls around and my brain tried to do the same thing it really did and that's tough but Jacob had a dentist appointment so I had to get up had to take all take care of all of that to the dentist all that stuff today he's back in school so it's it's starting to adjust kind of shift back to where it belongs but with winter break coming up in two weeks uh, there's a chance it's just gonna go sideways this doesn't help with the job hunt and I think that's kind of an interesting part of it when you're unemployed or when you're self-employed or when you have an insanely flexible schedule having a bad mental health day isn't necessarily a problem but beating yourself up about it after the fact which is what i was doing earlier today i'm like i got nothing done i really i mean i got jacob to the to the dentist on tuesday and we made a grocery run so that i could buy things like cat litter and stuff for dinner but overall it was a it was really harsh because it was like i had a a three-day weekend and i kind of just sort of let it go um and while i didn't wallow i really let my my brain use that use the weather and the fact that ursula's not here and that there were none of my routines suddenly fit to just let it go and it was it wasn't terrible it wasn't a horribly dark place but it was not good and while i understand there are days that we're going to go through times like that and we're going to have really bad productivity days and especially uh when i lose my routine it gets much harder that um than it should i think in some cases and part of that i think is uh, the chronic depression but you know, it's it's natural to feel bad about it. It's natural to kind of uh, want to wallow. I'm being very good about not wallowing in the fact that I don't have a job and that, you know, sooner or later we're going to have to be concerned about money. And uh, dear God, health insurance costs a small fortune. Uh, the health insurance costs more than our mortgage payment right now. It's insane. But these are, these are all things that I, I have to balance out and deal with. And losing my schedule losing my routine through the whole thing into chaos so you know with ursula coming back tonight yay with school back in session after the snow yay i can start to get back into that routine and then i have to hold it right i've got two weeks coming up where jacob won't have school it'd be really easy to sleep till 10 a.m every day and just let things slide and i can't do that that's terrible i mean not terrible terrible but it's really a bad idea at least for me because the moment i start to let things slide like that i start to just let the bills go i just start to let things go now and one of the good things when ursula's here is she keeps me on my toes and she keeps me balanced with that like she holds me accountable and sometimes having that accountability whether it's to our schedules right? I am accountable to get Jacob to school every morning. I am accountable to get Jacob home from school every afternoon. Um, I am accountable for paying the bills and Ursula holds me to that because if, you know, I lose a service and it's just me, it's one thing. If Jacob or Ursula are impacted because of my options, that's a whole other options because of my choices, because of my actions, that's a whole different ballgame. And so having that accountability is really helpful, even though sometimes it's really hard if that makes sense. And then in the realm of things making sense, I have a whole bunch of letters. So I'm going to be reading your letters and possibly some commentary. It won't be the same as if Ursula were here because the color commentary she gives is really good. (laughs) And I really am going to miss it, but we got a big schedule and I don't want her getting off an airplane and then going, all right, sweetie, let's go read letters for productivity alchemy because her brain is shut down. It's a good thing we aren't doing the next letter show until January because she has been adulting very intensely, uh, taking care of her family, and 
So she's going to need that mental break when she gets home because, hey, guess what? Uh, she's she's tired and she's going to need that break. She doesn't need those extra responsibilities other than to poke me to make sure I'm doing the things I need to do um, so that she doesn't have to, right? So we'll be back right after this and we will read your letters. Hey, awesome. We are back. While the music was playing, I took the time to redo the laundry, like rotate it from the washing machine to the dryer, and then put a fresh batch in the washing machine. So I'm playing catch up today. Also, all right, fine. It wasn't really while the music was playing. I took a quick break. I did all the rotation stuff, and then I sort of put the, you know, the music in. I like to pretend, though, that I'm actually going off and in that little short period of time getting all this stuff done. Often I'm just hitting stop and recording the next segment right away. But I, you know, the joys of being an audio producer. So here we are. Uh, We've got letters. And starting this week, as I take off my watch so it doesn't bang on the desk, uh, starting with my cousin Susan. Susan says that I've mentioned bags on the Productivity Podcast. If you've done a show on them, Uh, Can you let me know the episode, if not, companies I should be checking out? I need one that can hold work files and folders, a tablet, a planner, a small notebook, cords, water bottle, etc. Something with a long strap, and I don't want anything that screams corporate. Okay, so my three go-to bags right now. My three go-to bags. Four. Okay, four go-to bags. Um, uh, Yeah, the four principles of the of the Spanish Inquisition. No, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, so the first one is Timbuktu, which is T-I-M-B-U-K-2. These are messenger bags designed pretty much by and for bike messengers. They're incredibly rugged. They are, um, you know, very roomy. I took one of their medium to large messenger bags when we went to Africa to hold like my day supplies, my camera bags, stuff like that. It was amazing. Um, their backpacks are really good for commuting and for laptops and for telecommuting and things. They are, uh, I just love them to death. They're very expensive though. I mean, not like in the hundreds of dollars, but they can, they can get close to somewhere between a hundred and two hundred dollars for a really good bag. I have so many, and depending on the size of the laptop I was using at the time, like when I got a 17-inch laptop, the bag that fit the 15-inch did not work anymore. I mean, that's a that's a problem. And then when I had the 13-inch MacBook Air, the one that handled the 17-inch was way too roomy. Like, I was more worried about the, the bag. So I have several. I have never been disappointed by them. Uh, at the moment, I generally don't buy them because it's much more of uh, my back doesn't handle single strap bags so well anymore. Which brings me to my second choice, and that is the backpack of holding. I recently picked one up just before Worldcon this last year, and it was really good. It holds everything. I mean, everything. Uh, there, uh, It was just incredible how much stuff I was able to put in there. And, and that was before I put in a laptop and stuff like that. So, And it's a canvas bag. It's not waterproof. It's water-resistant. So you can stick pins to it. You can stitch patches to it. It's great. Just don't expect to go through a deluge and, and have it not get at least somewhat wet. Uh, next up, um, our canvas Israeli paratrooper bags. You have to kind of Google that. I pick mine up generally at a local army Navy surplus place. And it's the, these are really solid. They're softer canvas, but 
you know, they're designed for being in the field. So while they don't have like a stiff back to protect the laptop, you can put in a sleeve. They aren't designed for carrying huge amounts of stuff like the backpack or bag of holding, but they do a really good job. A, you know, some, some other favorites, uh, Tilly bags, uh, the same people who make the Tilly hat in Canada. These are really good bags. Um, but the straps don't always work for my back. They're really pricey, but they're leather and wax canvas. They're so water resistant. They hold a whole bunch of stuff. I'm debating, you know, there are a couple trips coming up and I don't know if I'm going to take the Tilly bag or the backpack of holding. And then the honorable mention are Osprey bags. I have a couple of those. We picked one up before we went to Iceland and Finland because I needed a, a big kind of bag. These are great for day bags, for laptop bags, uh, for travel. The thing I really like about the one is, even though I end up putting a lot more stuff in it than I probably ought to, it still fits under the seat in the airplane uh, or in the overhead bin. I can take a laptop. Actually, the, I take two laptops because I used to use this one for work travel all the time. So two laptops plus a planner, plus my pills, all the things you want to keep on you when you're traveling and still had pockets for water. I really like the Osprey bags. And so I, I have a couple of those. So you look around my house or my office and I have a lot of bags and I usually pick a favorite for a day or a couple weeks depending on what i'm doing right now i have a small bag it's not really laptop size but it holds a planner it holds my kindle it holds my pens and a couple other things it's called a man bag it's sort of a, a man purse thing but it's it it, it fits a, a place for me in between having the backpack of holding where i overload things and having like a, a little tiny like a, a a fanny pack or something like that where i i can't carry enough stuff. It's it's a nice balance. But next time I'm getting on an airplane or next time I'm I'm headed to a convention, I'll be at Magfest in a couple weeks, I'm probably going to grab the backpack of holding or one of the Ospreys. So, there's that. And again, those are are really really good uh all of them. All right, next letter uh from San um, this is less of a question, more of a reminder advice for students, especially college and university students. That advice is to take advantage of the resources your library provides. I went to a free one-hour course on how to use reference management software, which uh, my university also provides free for students, and it made the software so much easier to use and more helpful to me. This isn't the first time I've had this experience with my university library, and I know the librarians at other schools are equally enthusiastic, helpful, and hardworking. They will make your academic search writing experience so much easier and more organized. Thank you for everything you do. I look forward to hearing from you every Thursday. And I think that's something that Dino really emphasized. You're paying for all of these resources when you go to college, when you go to school. Take advantage of them. Uh, there is no shame in going to office hours for your professor and utilizing that. That's what they're there for. The same with your library resources. I know sometimes going to the library is a drag. I remember doing it a couple times for the few papers I did for what limited college experience I have, but there's a lot of resources there other than just having to find the right book and do all of this stuff, especially now that there's so much electronic. Like when I was doing it, it was all microfiche and card catalogs, I know all that stuff's still there, but there are now digital resources in your libraries that certainly weren't available to me and that can very well make your life easier. All right, uh, from Sarah, um, about uh, this was about uh, unfortunate advertisements uh, back in episode 66 uh, about the trackers. If you want to block at least a substantial fraction of these, the EFF's privacy badger plugin does a pretty good job. It learns as you go to different web pages and blocks anything that appears in too many different places. And I agree, I really like Privacy Badger. The only drawback I tend to have with Privacy Badger is if you're on a slow connection or for whatever reason you can't get back to whatever the central servers are for Privacy Badger, it slows way down. I've, I, I had a couple cases where like the infrastructure just wasn't, you know, like my connection was really slow and I had to turn off Privacy Badger in order to just get things to load even the non-advertising point or part of things. So that was, 
you know, unfortunately, it's gotten much better. I have to say, I think I pretty much have it on all the time. I also use uh, Ghostry and Adblock. Um, Ghostry and Privacy Badger are the two big ones because they block more than just ads on the page and certain page things. They do a whole realm of here are the scripts that are tracking you here. Are the, you know, oh, look, there's that hidden tracking image that they, that some sites just put in a one pixel by one pixel somewhere on the page that, that they use to track who's, you know, browsers and things like that. So the other nice thing is I like about Ghostry is it will tell you who it is. I think Privacy Badger has the same option. And that's tiny orange in the background carrying around a pet. She inherited that from Emily, apparently. Yes, dear, I'm right here. Um, yeah, so Ghostry and Privacy Badger, those are my two favorites right now. Claire is celebrating a win. I wanted to share with you a cool thing that happened a while after our interview. I talked about the time how I'm at the time about how I'm not very good at celebrating my successes because my brain thinks, yes, that was exactly what you're supposed to do. All you have accomplished is the minimum. But I've been finding myself slowly shifting my thinking. I had a big project, a commission book that took a ton of work to do. It was not a required thing, and I could have skipped doing it without penalty, but in order to be considered for the big award, I needed to do it. So I did it, and it was a ton of work. Out of the 14 possible teams that submitted it, only four did. I decided that I was super proud of myself for submitting it at all. Go you, Claire. That's amazing. Then I won the award. I'm not going to lie, the public acknowledgement for going above the absolute minimum was pretty heady, but best of all, I was already proud of myself for having worked hard on it. So slowly, I'm getting better at acknowledging my successes. Thanks for the inspiration and great podcast, Claire. Hey, Claire, that's huge. That's amazing. Congratulations. And I like to hear about people celebrating their wins because we're all really bad at it. I, Claire said so. Uh, so many of us have said that on the different interviews. We're bad at it. And it's great to hear about someone celebrating their success and then actually, you know, able to um, talk about it. All right. So my phone was ringing with, uh, with something. So I'm just going to let that go for now because um, it wasn't a job and they'll leave a message, right? Okay. Uh, from Sharon. Um, Sharon just finished listening to the interview you did with Chris Shiner, and I thought it was great. A lot of what he talked about with burnout really resonated with me, especially the part about having to talk to your brain like it's a toddler and work with whatever it's willing to do right now instead of trying to fight it into the place you think it should be. I also really appreciate that you are interviewing people who are frank about mental health stuff that has meant they've had to make major life changes and even jump off the career path they had been on for a while or permanently. I feel like a lot of times the stories about mental health struggles that are easiest to find and most highly celebrated are those people who have been able to make their careers work basically as planned, not those who had to, ha to majorly change course to keep their brains in an okay place. I have a question for you about organizational tools, which I don't recall being covered in any previous episode. Currently, I am in a situation where most all of my creative deadlines are self-imposed and I have a lot of life stuff going on, which means that for most project, I work on them until I finish and then I move on to the next thing. It's really unhelpful to have a big list with all of my planned projects staring at me because it's overwhelming and it hurts my ability to focus on one thing. What I'd really like is a digital tool where I could input all my projects without deadlines, but not have the next project in its step show up until I've marked that I'm finished with the current one. Do you know of anything that would fit this description? All right, so this one's a little tricky, and there are two ways to handle this. One is to use something like a Kanban board. Now, I admit, when we talk about Kanban boards, there is that one, here's all the things that need to be done. And that's really disheartening, right? Um, in a lot of software apps for using a Kanban board, you can just hide that, right? You can hide that until you're ready. The other thing uh, about it, and that's your backlog. And I think some of the more advanced Kanban tools let you have a backlog that is separate from your actual working board. So there's that. The other option, like, is to, all right, you have this column on the left that shows everything that's going on, but now you've got, you can just pull out the things that you're going to do right now, right? That's the stuff you can worry about later. 
right? Anything in that, that left-hand column, in that, in that backlog column, that's stuff you can worry about later. What you need to focus on is this one column in the middle that says, this is what I'm going to do, and then you've got a done column. Well, you've got a doing column and then a done column. So basically it's a four column setup with a Kanban board where, and you just, you could just take the one column that, that pile of things that are going to get done eventually, but aren't deadline driven and just ignore them or hide them. This actually works much better if you have, if you use a physical Kanban and not a digital Kanban, because then you can have like a box or a book or something hanging there with all the sticky notes in it of these different things. And then when you're ready for the next, to put the next thing in the to-do column, you open up the book and you take the next one out. Right. And so that, or box or whatever you're keeping the slips of, of paper or post-it notes in. So there's that. The other is to take a look at something like, um, I'm trying to think of a good tool and really it, it, this screams Kanban. I mean, if you wanted to do like, um, you know, anything that just gives you uh, a ticket tracking basically where you can hide the things you aren't currently working on and then view them. My only problem with a lot of those is I tend to lose things. I lose things pretty bad. Um, Habitica, I think, is not going to be a good solution for this. I know everybody out there, grab, grab your chest, uh, heart attack. I just said Habitica is not the thing to use for this. Um, but uh, one of the things about Habitica is it doesn't really show you, like, it, it doesn't really have the ability to hide the things that don't have due dates that you're not currently working on. It's it's sort of that very traditional one big checklist with uh, steroids for a lot of like the dailies and the, the bigger to-do list. So that's maybe not the best. Uh, I really don't think there's a good digital tool for this. You may want to uh, look around. I can, I'll, I'll do some digging and see if I can come up with something else and sort of uh, put that on, on notice as it were. But, you know, I, I would look at, I honestly, this is a pretty good use case for Trello. And I know a lot of artists sort of use the Trello, use Trello in that way. They have a big, here are all of my commissions. Here are all the commissions I need to work on. And they're going to be done when they're done. But here's every, here's where you are in the queue. Right. And then there's the doing, here are the things I'm, or the, the to do, here are the things I'm going to be working on most immediately. And when something gets to the done column, they just take the next off the, the backlog and add it to the bottom. This, you know, gives you that headway because you can see the flow. You can do the, the, from the backlog, from the queue to the, you know, it's next, what's next to the currently doing to the done. And if you, you need to resize your window so that it hides that backlog or that, that initial queue, that's great. Do it. Uh, one of the nice things about web browsers is you can resize the windows and hide what you need to hide. And so that's, that's, that's what I would do. So yes. And also an offer. Oh, Sharon, you're offering to be a tribute. So I will also, I will copy this to the tributes folder, which I probably need to clear out. Um, maybe oops and then i misplaced the the letters folder so yeah i have i i actually have a, a a setup here of three different folders just for productivity alchemy one is where i keep the letters for the monthly letter show one is uh for the tributes right for the people who volunteered to be interviewed and one is just a, a catch-all productivity alchemy sort of archive folder where i keep uh comments that aren't supposed to go to the letter show where I keep things like the bills I have to pay for, you know, Libsyn and all these different things, um, where other communications, like all the arrangements, once an interview has been scheduled happen, that was Smokey sneezing behind me. So, oh, and here's the orange cat. So there, the cats are very active right now. Okay. Uh, next up. Um, hi, it's Michelle, your tribute from episode 40. I continue to listen to the show and enjoy listening to various people and how they organize. I talk up your show to my clients and share the wisdom. 
I am I'm honored and flattered, Michelle. Um, I just listened to episode 65 where you talk about Mint, and I wonder what the security of a free thing that you've connected all your various accounts to is. Uh, what do you know about the security with info? I appreciate your geek knowledge and your understanding of security, but nothing on the internet feels secure right now. So, interestingly enough, on that one is that uh, Mint is run by Intuit, which also runs TurboTax and QuickBooks. So they are much more info secure, infosec savvy than a lot of other companies because for Intuit, like a breach is a big fucking problem. They have thousands upon thousands upon hundreds of thousands i'm sure of people's tax information they have i don't know how many businesses information into it takes your information security very very seriously um and it's one of the few companies in the space where i feel like it's they're doing a lot more than say a google or a, uh, you know, a Facebook, obviously, but even more so than a lot of the other online services, they take it because they understand and they've been doing this for decades. Like, you know, Intuit was one of the first online tax preparation sites. They, they literally cannot afford a data breach. If they have a data breach, they understand that they are well and truly fucked, right? It's it's one of the things I like about that and why I feel comfortable recommending their service, right? A lot of the other stuff I would use for tracking is you download their app and you run their app on your desktop and then it syncs to the cloud. I don't trust that, okay? I really don't trust that because that, while that doesn't put the burden of security on you, it also means that, you know, they can take shortcuts that make the appearance of security without being as secure as necessarily they need to be. Like they can check off check boxes on the, with their security audits and things like that, but they don't have this institutional security mindset that you get with somebody like Intuit whose whole sole purpose is keeping track of your money and keeping that information safe. It's just, that's, that's just me, right? That's, that's my take on it. And that's why I trust mint and uh, over some of the, a lot of the other online tools, because there is, there is a really big losing proposition if they get hacked and they have a, a data exposure on the scale we see with, other other environments um the, the ones that are they are inexcusable right so that's that uh in addition i had a comment about episode 63 with dylan you talked about the fact that the typical person doesn't work an eight-hour day i think you meant to say that the typical person with a desk job as you know i'm a therapist i set my clients up in conservative or a consecutive session with five to 10 minutes between sessions, if I'm lucky to do notes. I also take time outside of sessions to deal with insurance fuckery, which I have a great deal of it, as I just moved my office from one town to another and didn't do my research enough on how many hoops there are. Yikes. Anyway, what I'm saying is that I have little to no downtime and try and trying to explain that to people is hard. When people complain about their day of meetings where they have three to four one-hour meetings a day, I shake my head and think, that's a slow day for me. Anyone in a service industry, in labor, in any field where you have direct contact with a customer is your job, works their shift. You say that you want to have people call you out on things. You fell into one when talking to another person with a desk job and made that statement. I'd just like to make sure it was in context of that kind of job and not, and not all jobs. I'll get off my soapbox now. You know what, Michelle? You're absolutely right. Okay, that's you are absolutely right. When I think about what I do, what Dylan does, what a lot of us people in this new economy or who work white collar jobs, not service industry, not medical, but, um, those of us who work, you know, information systems, design, stuff like that. Um, I th you're absolutely right. You know, we don't work in off in, in a lot of these jobs. We don't work eight hours a day on average. I think the studies show we work about six, 
right? Of actual work. And that gets less than more meetings, interruptions, whatever you have, right? For someone like you uh, or like Michelle, who has a job with, you know, where there are just these little 10 minute breaks or little things, then it gets much more difficult. And I'm going to continue in just a second because the FedEx guy just showed up. As you can hear, the dogs are losing their mind. I'll be right back. And I'm back. That was exciting. Uh, the FedEx guy showed up. It's that season and there's a box. So I warned you about loud animals and interruptions. So, okay. I was talking about having like not having an eight hour work day. If you're in my type of job and someone like Michelle will have a straight through eight hour day, sometimes more. Right. If you're in the service industry and you're not working a double shift or an extended shift or something like that, yeah, you will probably have an eight hour day. I sometimes am jealous of the people who can go into their job, do their job, turn around and walk right back out. And there's a cat sitting on my mixing board now. Uh, orange, come on. Come here, sweetie. There you go. <laughs> I wonder how the settings get out of whack. And then I look and there's a cat literally crouched on the board. And I'm like, well, that explains it. Anyway, uh, so I'm sometimes a little envious of people who can go in, clock in, clock out for a break, clock out for lunch. They have that very firm set, yeah, uh, schedule. And then when eight hours are done, eight hours are done, they go home, right? I don't necessarily have that kind of schedule when I have a full-time job because I am you know, there's the office hours and the meetings that generally I have to maintain. And then there's the extra time after, right? Because I'm often having to do the maintenance, the overnight stuff. And in a lot of the bigger companies I've worked for, there is no flex time, right? That's part of your job, your salary, your whatever. If you have to work 16 hours or, or 16 extra hours a week or whatever it is, because we have maintenance and we have upgrades. Well, that's just part of the job, right? I've had jobs where they will time shift that and they're like, yeah, you were, you, you just spent, you know, uh, eight hours last night doing patching. Yeah, no, you, you, you can take the, the day off or the time off. I did have one contract where if I hit 40 hours, that was it. I was done. Right. And depending on the week, oftentimes I would be done on Thursday afternoon. And I would have to go to my contract person and say, okay, look, I'm going to hit 40 hours at this time. And then it starts driving to overtime. And she'd be, she'd have to say, well, we, we, that's not in the budget. So go home, you know, finish your 40 and go home. Um, that was not, you know, that, that always felt a little awkward. Like I wasn't like either I was doing too much or I, I wasn't doing enough, but it's, that's, that's how it is. Um, so in Michelle's case, where you basically have eight hours straight of interviews with maybe 10 minutes here and there to get your notes and things like that, that's, um, that is, you know, we are very wrong to characterize that most people only work. Um, and so I'll go on record as being wrong and trying to do better about that in the future. Okay, uh, further from Michelle, special thanks to Ursula for her word and definition of helpy from episode 62. I've been using that with people when I try to talk about a problem because people have asked me what's up and I tell them and they immediately start being helpy. It's made me crazy for years. I bought a timer, uh, a cute timer for my teen test subject to do a modified Pomodoro 3010, though I can't get them to buy into a planner. What you know what? That's fine. That's fine. I've tried several new systems since we talked, and I really want a level two tried something new badge, a larger level two failed badge, and how to kick the system to give me the new account badges. I don't seem to have it, and I'm a completionist. All right, Michelle, I can get you that one. And the other one we can do is yeah, I've I've got sort of some drafts of level two tried something new badges, and I probably should make a a, a level two failed badge. So, uh, I will add that to the to-do list of, of things that need to be added to the site. So there's that. Let's see who's next. Who's next. Well, it would help. Uh, so I've got two machines going right now, one with all the emails and things on it and the other with the recording. And so I'm like, yeah, okay. Now I'll just switch to that screen and wait, that screen is not actually attached to that computer, right? To the, the recording computer. <laughs> 
Uh, from Emily. Uh, hello again. I wanted to add something that I completely forgot in my interview a while back. At the time, I was still trying out this tool, so it makes sense that I wouldn't have thought to mention it. Since I do a lot of research, whether for personal use in creative projects, academic research for classes, or my thesis research, I have a lot of sources that pile up very quickly. This semester, I was introduced to Zotero through my school's library, but it's also available to people who are not currently enrolled at a college university. This tool allows you to save sources, including PDFs if available, along with bibliographic information at one click of a browser button and organize them within collections and subcollections in a personal library. When it comes time to write a paper, either in Word or Google Docs, you can also enter citations in the correct style and format, which will then populate a bibliography works cited. It saves a lot of time and energy from having to hunt up the sources individually. The bibliography may require some proofreading just to make sure everything's in place, but overall it's a huge time save and definitely helps with my organization. I definitely recommend this tool for students, but even if you're not a student but you want to keep PDFs, websites, website screenshots and other information organized this is a fantastic resource and i think we talked about that um i forget whose interview it was but um we we actually talked about zotero and using it for academic works which is uh you know huge absolutely huge i'm i'm dosing myself with no coffee or more coffee more coffee <laughs> You can tell I'm really off without Ursula to keep me kind of on track. I over-caffeinate and I tend to ramble a little more than I ought to. Anyway, thank you, Emily. Um, I will link Zotero and several other things we've already talked about. Um, and then here I have a comment uh, from, who is this one from? From Fence. And that is that, that, um, I'm pretty sure this is the episode where you discussed Excel and linking between sheets using a formula. The oh so easy way I do it is by just typing in equals in the sheet cell. I want the summary to display, then opening the sheet where the info is and clicking into it. Excel then puts in the formula. You can also use it to add figures, etc., from different sheets by pulling in equals sum paren, click on first figure, click on second figure, and so on. Close paren. It is fierce handy. Uh, I agree with that. However, sometimes it gets trickier. Um, and so I really like the exclamation point notation, which is basically what that will fill in is sheet name, bang, or exclamation point, um, sheet location. So that's, you know, that's really cool. Um, I actually find it quicker to type in versus clicking around, but that's just me. And so there is that. All right. Um, Finally, I think we're going to get as far as Patricia, because I have to leave shortly to go get my my teenager, and I will and and we will stop there. We'll do the catch up on the rest of it. I guess next next month. So, all right, um, episode sixty eight, maker versus manager versus maker, and Damien Ryan. All right, so from Patricia, hobbies you love to do you love do not need to be monetized. Thank you. I needed to hear this badly. At one time, I was actually actively trying to monetize my hobbies out of a mistaken belief that if I wasn't actively earning money every minute of the day, then I was obviously not worthy of living, etc. Head not in a good place, etc. No, uh, that's a, it's a horrible place to be, and it's a really headspace, easy headspace to get into. In hindsight, I realized that if any of my friends had said that I'd have shaken them said that I'd have shaken them and any other help they might have asked for. There was no reason to treat myself any harder than that. I could not be kind to others if I wasn't being kind to myself. So yeah, I'm trying to work off the guilt from indulging in my hobbies that are pure. I am just going to enjoy the shit out of this, but it's a work in progress. It's a work in progress for a lot of us. And I think that's, that's the important takeaway. It's a work in progress for a lot of us. And so we'll, we're just going to keep working. On it, I'm going to keep working on it. I think it's important to try to keep working on it because these, you know, these these things that get ingrained of us, these attitudes, these these bits where we start to to sort of insinuate things like 
Um, if I'm, I'm a freelancer, therefore I need to be earning money every minute of every day, uh, because of, you know, things or because I'm terrified of not eating, you know, we, when this isn't a healthy attitude, yes, it helps you get stuff done, but it also will drive you insane and you'll end up burned out and burnout is something we've, we've talked about on and off and we'll talk about more because there's a lot, a lot to talk about when, when it comes to burnout. So I think that is going to do it for this episode. I'm looking at the time and how I have to run and, and pick up my kid. And I still have to wrap this episode up and, you know, uh, you've been listening to me ramble for probably close to, I think 45 minutes total. So I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll wrap this stuff up and we will call it an episode. Sound good. All right. We'll be right back. We are back. All right. So first reminder is that Dino Sarma, who we just finished interview with last week, last episode is giving away a copy of his cookbook, alternative vegan. And to enter that, you need to go to the episode 74 page and add a comment saying, I want, you know, please enter me in the drawing or whatever. And we'll be giving that away. I think I said in the January letter show. So in about a month. Right? Awesome. Uh, the second thing to remind you of is that we issue open badges here. These are images that adhere to the Mozilla open badge standard. So they have some metadata that talks about how you earned it, where you earned it, when it was issued, stuff like that. Michelle made a reference to those badges. I'm going to add a couple more special badges as we go on. Um, so I give you a code every week that you can go to the website and enter into the little enter your badge code here form after logging on and get this week's badge. This week's code is SNOWHEN, S-N-O-W-H-E-N. And I'm saying this because I've been watching my chickens for the last several days. They don't want to go in the yard because it's full of snow. They don't want to go anywhere. They've been on the porch except the one, and that is Baby Goth. Baby Goth will hang out under the porch and sort of come out into the snowing to to get treats and things like that. But she doesn't want to hang out really with the other chickens. Right now, they're outside sitting on the walkway because apparently they can't sit in the 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 snowy, dirty areas where they would normally hang out under the bushes. So okay, snow hen, S N O W H E N, all one word. And then our final two reminders. Thank you to Susan, San, Sarah, Claire, Sharon, Michelle, Emily, uh, Fence, and Patricia for your letters. Uh, everybody who I haven't gotten to yet, I will be getting to in the next uh, episode, the next letter show, I hope. And I'm really excited about that. And finally, if you want to support this podcast or the other things we do here at Red Wombat Studio, it feels weird saying Red Wombat Studio, right? But if you want to support the things we do here at Red Wombat Studio, you can support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash Ursula V. That is Ursula's Patreon, and it includes, uh, it's basically the primary funding for all of the podcasts. For this one, for KUEC, and for Hidden Almanac. It buys the equipment. It buys the horrible foods for KUEC that aren't sent in by listeners. It also buys the prescription prescriptions we need to keep our bodies from exploding after doing KUEC for the years we have. So thank you very much to all of our Patreon supporters. And for those of you who are Patreon supporters, don't forget you also get free T. Kingfisher eBooks. Whenever Ursula self-publishes something, um, it goes to patrons, patrons, however you're supposed to say that first, 
And so everybody got Sword Heart at least a day before it was available on Amazon or iBooks or any of that stuff. So guys, knock yourselves out. So everybody who got Sword Heart early, more power to you. Thank you for all of the love for Sword Heart. She will tell you the same thing. It's just been uh, really amazing to see this self-published book by a sort of, I'm not going to say obscure, but not, you know, not particularly big name author get so much attention. Uh, we, we really appreciate it. You can also support us on coffee now, uh, ko fi slash, uh, dot com slash K sunny K S O N N E Y. I recently upgraded us to coffee gold so that if you want to do one-offs, you can do one-offs on coffee. If you want to do a little monthly thing, do a little monthly thing. I'm figuring out how to make that a value add as uh, to compare and contrast to Patreon, because I don't think we're in a place where we want to offer like both in both places. Um, the coffee money pretty much goes directly to what it says. It goes to buy me coffee and keep us supplied in caffeine. It is also one of the primary places that money for this show goes on. I'll also run the occasional fundraiser through it last week. Um, our friend Boozy Badger, made sort of a, a shit post about the fursuit of Dorian Gray and somebody said there needs to be art of this. So I contacted our friend, Lar. I said, Lar, how much? And so I quickly set up a goal for, uh, to pay for this art to give to boozy. And then everything else, everything that went above the cost of the art, I gave to farm friends rescue. So I will occasionally be doing fun things with it, not just here is the goal I need to be able to pay my bills every month. Uh, we could talk about that, but that's a really depressing subject right now while I don't have a full-time job. Um, but I, I want to be able to use that for more than just, hey, this is money that keeps me alive. I want to do, I want to, I want to help people out. Uh, Dino and I were talking about how one of the things I want to do is to help make the world a kinder place and a better place when I'm looking for my next job. And I'm, I want to use coffee as part of that, as I do these little one-offs, these little, here's a goal. And once we hit it, it's over quick, quick and dirty fundraiser. So I want to thank everybody who gave to that. I want to thank everybody who donates. And I really want to thank everybody who writes in whether I read your letter on air or not. And I want to thank everybody who shares this with their friends and family, because really that's, you know, what it's all about. Uh, trying to make the world a slightly better place and help you guys stay organized. So that's it for this week. I have poured out my heart and now it's time to pour myself into the car. Ha ha ha. No, not really. I'm not drinking or anything like that, but I have to go pick up a teenager at school. So until next time, be productive.